Welcome to you, New Money. I'm Brian Hirsch, and in a healthcare slot this evening, I want to deal with a subject close to my heart, which involves organ donors and organ transplants. 33,000 people die annually unnecessarily from heart, kidney, lung, and liver failure. This has an enormous impact not only on families, but on our economy. And joining me this evening is Professor Tony Myers. He's chairman of the Kidney Fund Donor Foundation. He was previously the African representative for the Executive Council of the International Society and past president of the African Association of Nephrology. Tony was also chief physician professor and head of the division of nephrology at WITS from 1975 until he retired in 2001. It's an honour to have you on the show, Tony. Good evening. Thank you and very welcome much, Welcome to the show. Thank you indeed. Tony, my first question to you is, how can these deaths be prevented? Well, first of all, about 50% could be prevented, and about 75% or 80%, the kidney failure that causes death could be significantly slowed by 20 to 30 years by early diagnosis, treatment, referral to proper people who can treat, the doctors have got to be taught, taught how to treat properly and give adequate drugs, and the follow-up and the compliance or what we call adherence to treatment has got to be strictly adhered to. So patients need to be diagnosed and you don't need to do a million diseases, you do the commonest diseases. And what are they? Both in the black population, Caucasian and Asian. High blood pressure, diabetes. If you just concentrated on those two, my question's answered. Tony, and, and what impact does organ failure have on the South African economy? And globally, I suppose. And globally, yes. Well, I think it's a huge impact because um, kidney failure is a very expensive modality to be treated. So, first of all, in South Africa, because it occurs in our black population at a much younger age, 39 to 45, whereas in the Caucasian and Asian patients, it's uh, 65 to 80. It, so these are young people, bread earners who now can't work, then if they get the disease, there's a question of transport to the center, there's a question of hospital admissions, of consult, frequent consultations, frequent unnecessary admissions if you were healthy, but, but, but you get sick so often with complications. You get complications, heart failure due to kidney failure, stroke due to hypertension, etc. And uh, the cost of transport is exorbitant, so these people can't even get to the, the, wherever they're going, so they die at home without us even making a diagnosis. And as you say, the loss to our, our, our economy is enormous. It's enormous. Because they, they're breadwinners to many people. Correct. T Tony, let's just understand something about this. How can people be made more aware? What steps do you have to take to, to, to yes. make the population more aware? I mean, in yes. the slot, which I do every five to six weeks, I do healthcare. We talk about medical aids, we talk yes. about what's happening there, the members. But the majority of South Africans are not members of medical aids anyway. Yes. I think this is where society has got to step in. And in fact, there's a very recent article in a journal called Nature Nephrology. And Nature is the, one of the common, most important journals. It's just been published now, saying that the whole world is lacking in this sort of statistics. But they have said there, which is true here, that to go out and do epidemiological studies on the causes of kidney failure is not the way to go. What the way to go is, is to define everybody who is hypertensive. That can be easily found out, but it cannot be done by government. It needs to be done by society, by medicine, by societies such as the National Kidney Foundation of South Africa. 
We have got a schools program. We go and examine the 11, grade 11 and 12 students. With that knowledge of who's got a high blood pressure or diabetes, we go and then the nurses of that in that community go and see all the people who live there and they find those who are hypertensive or diabetic, refer them for treatment, follow them up, make sure that everybody's getting the correct medicine, etc. The doctors have to be educated as to why and how this saves lives and how you can, there's a lot of skill in, short, in preventing a, a, a kidney failure. You can live an extra 34 years or you can prevent it totally if you know how to prescribe the correct medicines, etc. So all of this has got to be jacked up. Then, then Lucy in Brackpan says, our first email, then how do our programs stack up to the rest of the world and do they have different strategy to that in our country? Well, the strategies are different because they have huge, huge funding. Uh, our strategies, if you look at our private sector, look at the rest of the world. Take the, the UK or America, there are about 2,000, between 1,500 and 2,000 citizens per million of the population, if you take a, a normal million. 2,000 of those, or 1,500, will be on a program that's either kidney dialysis or transplant per million. In South Africa, the number is 178. But if you look at the private sector, that is probably over a thousand. It's, we don't have a problem. But the public sector, who's got a much bigger burden of kidney failure, occurring at a much younger age, is less than 50 per million. So we're not even one, we're not even five percent of, of where we should be. And that's why, because the kidney failure, when you get to that stage, costs a fortune. So you've got to be, you've got, we've got to prevent it by having a. Um, uh, uh, we have to know what's happening in the community and be able to treat them and treat their families and prevent it. And blood pressure control will prevent kidney failure and will prevent strokes and will prevent heart failure. Well, we're going to take a break. You can call us if you'd like to. 011-483-1518. Your opportunity to ask questions and the professor will answer them. Stay tuned. We'll be back shortly. Welcome back to Humanity this evening in discussing healthcare. I'm focusing on organ failure. My guest is Professor Tony Myers. If you'd like to call our number 011-483-1518, you can email me on brianh at bhca.co.za. Tony, why haven't we made progress? Why do we lag the rest of the world? Because there's so many other priorities in developing countries. The develop, we, we don't lag the rest of the world. We lag the developed countries. If you look in at the graphics, there's no country in Africa other than South Africa that has got a viable dialysis and transplant program. I'm, I'm talking about sub-Saharan Africa. I'm not talking about Egypt, etc. It's a very expensive modality, but unfortunately, there are not enough population uh, statistics. The demography has not been properly studied. It's not been pro properly studied in, in many parts of the world. There's certainly the financial demography, but the causative, the causative and the treatment demography has been studied in, in, in developed countries. Here, we have too many other priorities, that, such as living, electricity, a roof under your head, food, schooling, etc. They 
unfortunately seem to come before any health matter. Okay. Tony, there, there's different types of organ transplant. You've got liver, heart, lung, kidney. Which are the most successful? Uh, I would say the two most are liver number one uh, and, and kidneys number two. The success of heart transplantation is not, not so much rejection, but pe people who require a heart transplant have got lots of other things wrong with their body already, and they often have complications that carry them off, not rejection of the heart. And Tony, they call kidney failure the silent killer. Yes. Just expand on that. Well, the, I think the most important thing to say is that the rarer causes of kidney disease, like nephritis or lupus, they have signs. They're easy to pick up. Your legs swell, your face swells, you stop passing urine, the urine colour changes, blood, protein. Those are the rarer causes in South Africa. The common causes, hypertension and diabetes. You only diagnose them when the complications come. Why? Because there are not enough checkups. There's not enough information about family histories of these diseases. People don't go to their doctors for a checkup, and when they do go, they must have their blood pressures taken very carefully, the correct ways and wrong ways of taking blood pressures. They must have their urine dipsticks and any abnormalities must they have, have their kidney function checked immediately. So you'll be able to diagnose them and then you take it forward and you get the families in and you expand, expand on it and you use NGOs such as the Kidney Foundation to do these, these experiments. And we need the help of the private sector. We need the help of big business. To, to fund these projects. The government cannot be expected to fund these projects by themselves. So society has got to, 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 to help, and from the society I mean it most particularly the private sector. In doing that in the long run, it's going to be much more, much more, a more healthy country to live in with a much better cost effectiveness for everybody, including the rich. And, and, and Tony, what do you think is going to happen when national health insurance comes in? Will there be, will there be a improvement from yeah. private to public? There'll be improvements in dialysis. I'm not sure about transplantation. We've come to that. But dialysis, it will be possible, I think, because of the limited number of facilities that we've got. Uh, the, the numbers are needed all over the country for kidney failure. We just have them in the few strategic centres. You may be able to take a few patients who we can't accept now because we're always full. And patients don't die on dialysis. They live for years and years. So the, you can't get a slot they'll be able to go to the private sector in these private-public partnerships. But that will only be a minuscule of what is needed. We still need a huge... We need to have... We need to prevent this. And slowly, over the very long term, we'll be able to build up the economy of the country, probably by urbanisation, which is take China's model, and we'll be able to build up the economy and then get more, more, more units going for the public sector, for the African population, who need it the most. We got an email from Jabalani in Johannesburg and he says, are kidney transplants and other transplants only available to the rich? They're not only available to the rich, but the rich get many more than the, uh, the public sectors. A problem is that there are not enough transplant units functioning in m many parts of the country. There just aren't there, and people can't travel for a transplant, and they've got to have it locally. And the second problem is that the, the, the population, the African population, doesn't donate kidneys. There is this perception, and I know it goes back, way back into tradition, that you've got to go to heaven uh, with your organs because your ancestors require that to, to be a, a fact. 
And I'm sure that when those uh, conditions were drawn up hundreds of years ago, that was not, it was not at all an unreasonable fact. But today, when people are dying in South Africa in motor vehicle accidents, like uh, 17,000 a year, that's uh, 30,000 organs, or you can't get them all, 10,000 kidneys, 5,000 kidneys, if we could get some of those from organ donors, we could transplant all our patients and we could have a, we won't need many more dialysis uh, 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 units because we'll have a, a, a rotating customers coming on, staying on dialysis, being transplanted, going home and being followed up that way. It'll solve, and transplantation is much cheaper than dialysis as well. And, and even better, better rehabilitation. And Tony, it's not only the kidney. I mean, no, I mean you, you, you know, you need coordinators on the hospital, very hard job to do there when someone's just passed away and go to the family and say, can we use their organs? Yes. But it's not just kidneys, it's many other parts of the body. Well, there's two lungs, it's a heart, it's a pancreas for diabetics, it's, it's the liver, um, it's two kidneys, and it's, don't forget the cornea for people who are blind. We, we can't get enough corneas for the thousands that need uh, corneal transplants. They're blind people who can't go and work. These people could also help the economy. Tony, and, and, and what is the most transplanted organ in South Africa? Uh, by far, the kidneys at the moment. And are, do private and public hospitals work together? Or, is it, or the, is it very much confined to the public and private sectors? To a certain extent, the, public, the, public, the private hospitals at the moment are doing a lot of transplants in the public sector because there aren't enough public sector transplant surgeons. They are, they are present, but we, we, do we do share facilities, which is a good thing, not a bad thing. But um, we need far more organs. They could do a hundred times more transplants, for instance, at the Johannesburg. Johannesburg Hospital, the related living donor transplants. We, we probably need about a thousand transplants a year or 800 a year in Johannesburg and we're doing about four to five living donors and about 10 to 15 deceased donors. We're nowhere near what we should be so it's mainly the organs. The doctors are there and willing to assist both surgeons and nephrologists. We need is, organs. Is enough being done to convince people on their day to become um, organ donors? Uh, the Organ Donor Foundation have tried their utmost and they've had all sorts of rallies and, 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 and notices. It's, but if you go and speak to people from the rural district, as I've done, when we go, we go and lecture uh, grade 11 and 12, school children, because that, you can teach them and they'll remember. You can't teach us adults. We, we're too pig-headed. But you then speak to the community. They've all heard about kidney transplant, but it's, it's this perception that the ancestors require the body to be intact. Never mind if you've been burnt to death by a motor car accident. I know goodness only what happens there. And I think that really our ancestors, you would earn brownie points from giving organs because the ancestors are connected with God and God I'm sure is, would be all in favor of saving lives. And we could save uh, just, kidney, just kidney transplants. We could save 10,000 to 20,000 kidney failure patients per year plus all the hearts and the livers, etc. Well, we're going to take a break. You want to call us 011-483-1518. Stay tuned. We'll be back shortly.
Welcome back to Manning this evening in my healthcare slot. I'm talking to Professor Tony Myers. We have been talking about organ transplant and organ donation. We've been dealing specifically a lot more with kidneys. I see, Professor, you've actually issued a journal uh, called Chronic Kidney Disease, Continuing Medical Education, and this is for doctors. Yeah. And are the doctors receiving this publication? And is it something that they're aware of and that they're concentrating on? And is there a, a lot of good uh, rapport between doctors and the foundation? Um, I don't think the doctors know much about the f foundation to have any rapport at all. And as far as doctors receiving that, there are about 33,000 doctors in South Africa and only about 16,000 are registered with the South African Medical Association. That was, that, uh, all, those, all those documents were published and online and some of them in full in our South African Medical Journal, which is only received by those 15,000 doctors. And um, most of them were online, and they don't bother to go online. Every doc so the answer to that is... Well, some of them don't uh, bother to go so online. These are, these are general practitioners. Most of them don't. Sorry, general practitioners, you haven't <laughs> got time. I sympathize. But if you had a book like that, and each GP had one in his rooms, or a couple in their rooms, they would be read, and the doctors would benefit. And particularly in the rural areas where this service is most urgently needed, Tony, so let's just talk. We spoke about you're not getting enough donors, but those are people who passed on. What about living donors? Living donors is a huge source of donation in the de developed world. Why? Because there aren't all these dreadful violent deaths that we have in Africa, especially motor vehicle accidents. The, the rates are much, much lower, so they can't get donors. And so they go to living donors. The problem with living donors in South Africa and this has now been seen, I, I, I showed this long ago, and nobody believed me. I showed it in 1998, nobody believed me. They thought I was an old fuddy-duddy. Our donors are, they come forward from all population groups wanting to give kidneys. But our donors have often themselves got disease, because high, particularly hypertension and diabetes, which is 80 plus percent of, 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 our, of our kidney failure disease, and it's familial in many cases, in most cases. So our donors are hypertensive, or they've had a stroke, or they've got heart disease, or they've got HIV and you can't be a donor, or they've got some communicable disease that they, stops them. All these poor people have to come from the Bundu, from Messina, to come and have a test to give a kidney to their, one of their loved ones. They can't afford the, tran the transport. Or Somebody gets to them in the, in the home and say, says, you can't live with one kidney, you know, you're not going to live a normal life, and, and you are. And the fact, when you talk to your donors and you say to them, if you give a kidney, you've got to sign an affidavit that you will come once a year to the hospital where you gave that kidney to have your health checked up, particularly your blood pressure, etc. And if you don't, we'll get hold of you, and you know, this is not going to be pleasant. You have to agree to that. Uh, they, they, that puts them off. They think maybe then they are going to die earlier, and we, we, but it's not true. We are just checking to make sure that our donors, to whom we say the biggest thank yous, have the best possible treatment free of charge for life. Tony, you've had a long and distinguished career. You were the fifth president of the, of, uh, was it the African? African Association of, of Nephrologists. And 
you've had this long, probably 55, 60 year career. Why are you still so involved? I mean, you've been trying to, you've been trying to get this message across for years, and yet you're still continuing. Why? I think because, as far as I, I stayed in, in, in university and in public service, uh, my job as a doctor it wasn't to go and make as much money as I possibly could because I had to feed a lot of hungry children. I was lucky at that stage that life was much less expensive than it is now. So uh, le let's be honest. But I have a passion to help poorer people, um, not for any fame or, or fortune, because I think it is sociably, socially the only way that, that we'll go ahead in South Africa. We want to be the rainbow nation that was talked about by, my, uh, by President Mandela. We want to have integration between people, not assimilation. So Tony, are there enough um, uh, people studying to be nephrologists? There are. What's our percentage like compared to other parts of Africa and the world? Well, there are far fewer nephrologists in South Africa than, than other, even other undeveloped countries, but, but not, not Africa, but elsewhere. Turkey, for instance, which is considered a middle-income country, very much like us, has got about 600 per, per uh, whatever it is, 2,000 patients, whatever it is. We've got about 110. But um, I think our problem is that we are graduating a lot of nephrologists, and because of the problems in South Africa, which I think are, are a lot of them fake news, and, and, and anxiety that I don't believe really exists. Some of it does, but a lot doesn't. They leave the country and they go and work elsewhere. I don't think it helps when you have a government who, when a person becomes an in, a doctor and you've got to do your internship, they can't find 50 plus posts for, people are just qualified when the government knows that they've got to have interns to, to, to be able to practice. Uh, I don't know how many posts, it was more than 50, but I mean, that, that's, that wasn't fake news, that was true. Those things are very, very disturbing to a country. And Tony, I mean, are we, in terms of information, in terms of news, I mean, you get a lot of news. I can see all the news, all the, all the notes you've got here. Is that news getting through both to the public and to the doctors of South Africa? You're saying doctors aren't reading, the no. public are unaware. If we had a program like this one, once a month or twice a month for good, and we went to big business and gave talks like this, we would be able to get it. You've got to go to big business. You've got to, what do they call it here? They've got a name for it. I don't know where I've got that article, but it's the private sector. If the private sector realized that in the long run, even the medium run, by investing in this sort of a project, everybody would be better off and there'd be, people would stay and the economy would boom or help to boom, then, uh, then, we, we, then we would succeed. So the doctors aren't reading this. The, 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 the nursing staff aren't reading this. I think, our, I think our Minister of Health is absolutely acutely aware of all these problems. His hands are tied by the economy. So what percentage of, of, of healthcare spend goes on, goes on kidney and organ transplant and, organ and, 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 and renal failure? <coughs> I can't answer that in South Africa because we can't get the figures. We are not privy to those figures. but. Uh, uh, as I mentioned, it in, in the United States of America, it's, it's gone up to it's gone up from about 12.5 to 14 percent of of the uh, uh, annual health annual health but annual health budget is spent on kidney failure. Uh, I don't know what it is here, but I'd, it's a fraction of that. In the private sector, it's as good as anywhere else in the world because of our 
medical aid system. But they are beginning to buck now because they say they won't pay for people who are only for dialysis, they're only if they have a transplant. So if you be on a medical aid as a private patient and you could live another 10 years on dialysis because you have some reason why you can't be transplanted, you can go home and die. That's also not acceptable. Well, Professor Myers explained in a lot of detail how the quality of lives can be improved and ultimately saved. The problem is that there's little money available to educate the public. The Kidney Donor Foundation is in a far better situation in helping to solve this problem than probably many Not other organisations. Not the Kidney Donor Foundation, the National Kidney Foundation. National Not the Kidney, kidney Donor Foundation. Foundation. Thank you. National Kidney Foundation. However, they suffer from the same problem of not having sufficient funds. I'd like to thank Professor for joining me this evening. And if you'd like to help or want more details, you can email the foundation at nkfca at mweb.co.za. I'll repeat that. The NKFCA. FCFSA. NKFCA, which is the National Kidney Foundation of South Africa at mweb.co.za. It's important to note that our program this evening is to provide information and should not be construed as advice. I've had a quite a few inquiries in about the last week. What has happened to Paul Hansen in our investment slot? Unfortunately, Paul was not well last week and I was not able to wish him all the very best in his semi-retirement. He's off to live in George at the end of the month and we'll miss him. Thank you, Paul, for all your support over the many years and we hope to have you on the program on occasional visits when you visit the big city. Next week's program will focus on short-term insurance and I'm delighted that the Ombudsman for Short-Term Insurance will be joining us and if you need to get hold of me, my details will appear on the screen. I'd like to thank you for watching and good night.